Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. The Elder To the Chosen Lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your chosen sister send their greetings. Well, thank you, Richard, very much. And if you could uh, keep that passage open to John, open in front of you. Uh, Let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we pray for your help this morning. We pray that you would give us receptive uh, hearts and minds Help us to be open afresh to the Lord Jesus Christ and please help us to do all that we can to keep walking in his truth. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Many years ago now, I was walking with Catherine on the Langdale Pikes in the Lake District. Very beautiful day. Uh, But when suddenly the cloud came down, as it does often, of course, in the Lake District, and uh, we found ourselves in the midst, in the mist, in the fog, very little visibility indeed, just a, a few feet in front of us. Uh, I wasn't particularly worried about it, and I was fairly sure that we were on the right path, uh, but I thought I'd check, uh, so I got out the compass, which fortunately I'd bring it, brought with me, uh, only to find that we were heading in exactly the opposite direction to the direction I thought we were going. It was a deeply disturbing moment, a profoundly almost frightening, disorientating moment. I was very glad that I remembered the compass and remembered to use it. Well, our whole nation seems to be a little bit in the fog and the mist at the moment, does it not? I'm certainly waking each morning thinking, I wonder what previously unthinkable thing is going to happen today. I think the mood was summed up actually rather nicely by the England manager, uh, Roy Hodgson, at a press conference on Tuesday when he said, I really don't know what I'm doing here, Uh, which may also have been the problem the night before, of course. 
but it does seem to be a more general problem, doesn't it? None of us seem to know quite what we're doing here, quite what's going on, quite what we should do next. I think we would love in this situation for people around the country to find some true certainty about the future, some safety and security in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we would love at the moment, is it not? Uh, that's what we're praying for. But just imagine someone today thinking to themselves, you know, I, I'm really finding this very difficult at the moment. I hate all this unpleasantness that's going on around me, all the confusion, all the uncertainty. I think, I think you know, I might actually go to my local church this week and see if I can find some answers there. Imagine someone did that. So the problem is, of course, would we be confident that they would find those answers there? Could we be confident that they would find the truth? Or would we rather be deeply worried that the truth in those churches has already been eroded and taken down by deception and false teaching? And I think we would be worried and justifiably worried. And that is a problem that we face today. It's not a new one. The problem in our nation in the 21st century is the same as the problem that we've got in our passage today in verse 7. Many deceivers, says John, who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. In other words, we're not the first people to find ourselves in a sea of confusion about Jesus. With that sea sort of crashing around us, with that, that deceit crashing around us, threatening to swamp us and keep others from the truth. Uh, that deceit having got into many churches. It has been like that right from the very beginning. And uh, churches are in danger from it. So like the church John is writing to here, the church he slightly quaintly calls in verse one, the chosen lady and her children. Well, that's a church in danger, a church needing to be reminded about the truth and uh, needing help in responding to all this deceit floating around. And today we need both those things too. So as John speaks to them, he'll be speaking to us. And I think what we'll see this morning is that John is basically saying this to them and to us. He's saying, hold your nerve. You know, it's unsettling, true, but hold your nerve. Keep on walking in the truth. And uh, by the truth here, it doesn't mean something cold and, and abstract. It doesn't just mean a body of doctrine or of teaching. He means Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh. Keep walking in and with Jesus, John is saying. And he spells out what that means in this very short, lovely, short letter. And I think we'll also see that he gives us a very useful, very helpful three-point plan for responding to this sea of deception crashing all around us. Number one, don't neglect to love one another. Number two, watch yourselves first. And then number three, once you've done that, give no foothold for deceit. Now, if some of the things that I'm going to say now seem uh, quite familiar to you, after all we've been looking at from 1 John over this term, I make no apology. Now, there are some differences here. You know, the situation in this church does seem to be slightly different to the one we saw in 1 John. You might remember there that the problem there was false teaching in the church, causing people to lose their confidence in their salvation. Uh, the problem here is rather many kind of false teachers sort of coming in, coming from the outside, sort of 
itinerant false teachers going around spreading false teachers, the, the, the dangers from the outside. But what John says in response to that is very similar to what he said before. It's interesting also that he does seem to have just been with them. You know, he's seen what they're like. And indeed, we see from the end of the letter that he's hoping to visit them again soon. But still, he writes, it's quite striking, isn't it? This is so important that he writes to them in between his visits. It's that important. And if they needed to hear this again so urgently, then so do we. So here he goes. Once again, once again, John tells us, keep walking in the truth. Keep walking in the truth. Remember the truth. With so much deceit floating around, don't forget the truth. I wonder if you noticed when we had it read to us just how often John talks about the truth in this letter, even in the first few verses. Let me read those to you. This is what he says to begin with. To the, to the chosen lady and her children, uh, that's the church he's writing to, uh, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also those who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. Remember that truth, John is saying, and keep walking in it. Verse 4, it's given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. That is, John's personally witnessed some in this church he's writing to, walking in the truth. It's given him great joy. It's the right thing to do. He wants them to know that it's given him great joy. Why does he want them to know that? Well, it should be obvious. He wants to encourage the whole church to be like that. Whatever happens, keep walking like that in the truth. What does he mean by the truth? Well, we might remember from John's Gospel that Jesus described himself as the truth. Uh, Those famous verses from John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We might look here at at verse 7, which tells us the opposite of the truth, which tells us what people who oppose the truth think, these deceivers who have come into the world. Verse 7, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. That is, to be a deceiver, to oppose the truth, is to deny Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. Now, we've seen from one John over this uh, past term that that is shorthand for all kinds of falsehood and denial. It could be a denial that Jesus is the divine son who took on flesh. It could also be a denial that he died on the cross in the flesh as an atonement for sin. He died there to avert the wrath of God the just punishment for sin, for our forgiveness. Or it could be a denial that Jesus rose from the dead, again, in the flesh. It could be, as we'll see, a denial of what Jesus taught in the flesh. All sorts of ways to deny the Lord Jesus that were going around at the time and also that we see today, going around in churches today, amongst Christian teachers today. Many such people around Ward John peddling these lies. It's very much the same today. This is very relevant to us. So, says John, keep walking in the truth. Just as the Father commanded us. What did he command us? Well, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23, for example, which we've 
been looking at over these last weeks. The father says this, believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's all about him living out our lives in and with Jesus. Keep doing that, says John. Now we know this already, of course, and John's readers would have known this already. But just like them, we need reminding over and over and over again. Especially, I think, when we're under pressure, when life is difficult. The the deceit comes down, the fog of deceit comes down, and we get disorientated in it. Just like me and Catherine on the Langdale Pikes all those years ago. And in such a situation, our first instincts can mislead us. Uh, We can panic. We can kind of wander off in the wrong direction or round and round in circles. We might do something stupid or dangerous. And at those moments, we need to stop. We need to think. We need to remember what we're all about. Remember our training. Uh, The first thing to do up a mountain when you're in the mist is to get the compass out. Well, when we're in the midst of deceit, when we're disorientated by that, It's Jesus who acts as our compass and more, of course, providing direction, orientation, security and guidance. But what does that actually look like? Let's get get practical now. What actual concrete steps does John say we should take to keep walking in the truth when there's so much deception all around us? Here's his three-point plan for responding to deception. Number one, number one, don't neglect to love one another. Don't neglect to love one another. If you keep walking in the truth, living out your life in and with Jesus, then you'll remember him, you'll remember what he told you, and you won't neglect to love one another. Verses five and six. And now, dear lady, says John, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. There's nothing new. It's not a new command. They already know it. It's Christian Living 101. Love one another. It's foundational to walking in the truth, living out our lives in and with Jesus. He is the one, remember, who defines love. He embodies and demonstrates what love is. So remember him first and foremost, and then remember what he told you, which was to love one another as I have loved you. And then as we grow in his love, we'll be growing in our love for what he tells us, growing in obedience to him, growing in his teaching, which is to love one another, and that will grow us further in his love. All of which is vital at these times of pressure, vital to remember because verse 7 Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming into the flesh have gone out into the world. It's massively serious, in other words. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist, says John. In other words, this is dangerous. We're under attack. You're under attack. And of course, one of the first casualties when we feel under attack is often love. We get irritable with one another. We disagree on how to respond, perhaps even sharply. We also get distracted by our response. We feel we need to 
do stuff, to read every blog post on whatever it is, to make comments on Facebook and Twitter, to write letters, call meetings, express our outrage, go on a march or something like that, call for resignations, man the battlements. You know, some of, some of which might be appropriate, but of course the danger is as we get caught up in the heat of it, we forget the important things. And most seriously of all, we forget Jesus. And because we forget Jesus, all this activity, all this heat will be to the neglect of the needs of those around us. And of course, if we forget Jesus and if we forget to love, then we're going against him and we're going against his teaching and we set ourselves against the truth and inadvertently we find ourselves on the side of the deceivers. So that's number one. Don't neglect to love one another, even under pressure. Here's number two. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. If you keep walking in the truth, living out your life in in and with Jesus Christ, then check that you are continuing in the teaching of Christ. Check check that you you personally can see the danger of running ahead with something beyond the teaching of Christ. This is verses 8 and 9. John says this, watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and doesn't continue in the teaching of Christ doesn't have God. But whoever does continue in the teaching has both Father and the Son. Remember, this is the situation. Deceivers are gone out into the world. They're traveling around. They're teaching things contrary to the truth, things contrary to the teaching of Christ. They've in a sense, run ahead. John has said they've abandoned Christ. They've moved on to other things. Uh, This is a very common, frighteningly common pattern, isn't it? People who once said that they were devoted to Christ alone, but then kind of moving on, growing up, they might say, maturing, they might say. John would say, losing everything. And it is very tempting when we see that happening. It's tempting to focus on those people and to sigh and shake our heads in dismay and tut and so forth. But John says, no, before you do anything like that, before you have any response to this, watch out. Watch yourselves. Uh, Watch your own alignment with the teaching of Christ. Watch that you you haven't drifted on that in some area. You know, you might be aligned with the truth that, in one place, but then completely out of line in another. Um, His teaching on greed and materialism, for example. Are you out of line on that? Check that first. Uh, And prepare yourself, brace yourself. Watch that you yourselves are not taken in by this false teaching, by the deceit around you. And so lose everything that you have in Christ. And I think we might... There's a danger, isn't there, that we might respond to that and say, I'd never do that. Of course I'd never do that. But let's not be so quick. Let's not be overconfident on this. Let me give you uh, an example, perhaps the the most important example that we're facing in the UK at the moment. You'll know that the big doctrinal and ethical issue for Christians in the UK at the moment is the issue of same-sex attraction and uh, same-sex marriage. Let me say first and foremost that, we'd, that we want this church to be uh, a place that, that welcomes uh, with open arms 
with love and compassion, uh, those who experience same-sex attraction. attraction. We, 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 we want that because we know that that's what Jesus would want, that's what Jesus would do. But then with many others, I'm personally convinced that the teaching of Christ is that marriage is exclusively between one man and one woman. That is his explicit teaching. It's the the wider teaching across the scriptures, the God-breathed scriptures that he loved and endorsed. It's the teaching of the apostles he appointed. It's pretty unavoidable. However, if we're to hold to that teaching, the climate today is that we're going to be hated We're going to be classed alongside the very, very worst racists and misogynists in the world. How could you be so full of hate, they will say. So unloving. Why are you being so exclusive, so narrow, so repressive? Shame on you. And it is really, really easy to crumble under that kind of accusation. So it's good to have this encouragement, isn't it? It's good to have this letter of encouragement. It's good to have that encouragement that we had earlier on, not to neglect love, absolutely. And it's good to have this on not thinking that we can know better than Jesus. Thinking that we can run ahead and abandon what he's said. Look at what John warns us, verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. It couldn't be a stronger warning, really, wouldn't it? could it? And here's the encouragement when we're feeling battered and bruised in the public glare and gaze. John reminds us this, whoever continues in the teaching has both father and son. That's the encouragement. So what are we seeing? Don't neglect love. Uh, that was number one. Number two, watch yourself first. And then only then comes number three. Give no foothold for deceit. Give no foothold for deceit. If you can keep walking in the truth, as you should, if you're living out your life in and with Jesus Christ, then you, will, you should give no foothold for deceit. Watch out for others around you. Protect them by giving no foothold for deceit. This is verses 10 and 11. If anyone who comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. That's a strong warning, isn't it? It's a strong command. Now, it's important in that to realize that taking people into your house and welcoming them was a, was a very significant action in the ancient world, as it would be in many parts of the world today. Not only would it give that false teacher, if you like, a platform or a place to to get on practically with their false teaching, it was also a tacit endorsement of their character and implied that you agreed with their teaching. So says John, do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. It's that serious. Now, things today are more complex, of course. Uh, We do live in a more complex world, especially in the age of the internet. Uh, No one needs to travel anywhere today to be a false teacher. You can do it pretty much at the press of a button in a moment. But the principles should nonetheless be clear. 
Do what you can to stop the spread of false teaching, says John. Do what you can to distance yourself from false teaching. Now, of course, that can be very tricky in in practice. I think uh, for those of us trying to hold to the truth in the Church of England, that can be very tricky to distance ourselves from from the false teaching that we see going on around us. It's not at all easy but we do what we can. We do what I can, we can to adhere to this principle, to distance ourselves from that false teaching for the sake of others. Now, it can feel kind of clumsy. It can be, feel difficult or heavy-handed doing that. It, I think it would have felt so in the first century too. Uh, John's readers have just been reminded of that command to love one another, that command, the, the imperative of love. Their first instinct, quite rightly, would have been to, to, to welcome strangers into their houses, as that should be our first instinct too. Uh, hospitality is, is good, is it not, generally speaking? Well, actually, it turns out not always. Not always. It's good to take strangers into your house, but it's, John's not talking about strangers here. He's talking about people known to be deceivers. I mean, you wouldn't welcome a, a drug dealer into your house, would you? You know, someone comes to the door and says, hello, I've, got, I've come to sell dangerous drugs in your area to your neighbours and actually hopefully to your children as well. Uh, you wouldn't say, oh, great, come in, have a cup of tea. Let me give you a room. Use our phone. Use the internet. Do what you like. Let me introduce you to our children. You wouldn't do that. But false teaching is... It's just like that. It's dangerous. John would say peddling false teaching is, in the end, worse than peddling drugs. The eternal effects are more serious. Hence the strength of this. Do not take him into your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. So this is John's very useful plan for in the face of deception and and false teachers traveling around. Don't neglect to love one another. Watch yourselves. And then don't give a foothold or platform for deceit. But as we finish this morning, we do need to face up squarely to the fact that that getting this right, getting our response right in this is never going to be easy for us. And uh, we will have got it wrong in the past. It's very, very hard to get this right. Sometimes, for example, our response is too weak. Uh, so in the spirit of being, uh, of, char- of being charitable and generous and loving, all of which are good things, of course, but in that spirit, we might turn a blind eye to what turn out to be significant errors. And then the error persists and it multiplies and it spreads and it does damage and it does people we love damage. And we find that all our attempts to be loving have kind of backfired and gone horribly wrong. Other times, our, our response might be inappropriately strong. You know, so we respond in, in a spirit of doctrinal and eth- ethical orthodoxy, uh, which is a good thing, of course. But in doing it, we become obsessive or pedantic or nitpicking or unnecessarily divisive. But then, because we've been, as we've been reminded this morning, the number one mark of ethical orthodoxy is love, 
all our claims to be orthodox prove hollow. Again, it's self-defeating, isn't it? And it's no good hiding our confusion in, the, in these matters by sometimes being too weak and sometimes too strong. That's easy to do as well, isn't it? Being wrong in different ways at different times is not really much better than being wrong in the same way all the time. So that doesn't help. So what do we do? Well, John's answer, remember, this is the basic, this is the main idea here. Remember the truth. Remember Jesus. That's why the... This is why the main thing John encourages in this letter is keep walking in the truth. Keep living your life in and with Jesus. He, in other words, is the key to getting this right. You see, on the one hand, he's he's the embodiment of, of, of love and grace and compassion and openness. He was the one with open arms to people from any kind of background. Whatever they'd been doing, He ate with the tax collectors and the sinners. He looked upon the crowds in front of him, the lost sheep in front of him, and he didn't look at them with disdain. He looked on them with compassion. It moved him. And yes, on the other hand, in him, there is no compromise on orthodoxy, whether ethical or doctrinal. He, he may have opened his arms to people from all kinds of backgrounds, but he wasn't necessarily endorsing what they were doing. By eating with the tax collectors and sinners, he wasn't somehow weirdly endorsing embezzlement and prostitution. And his, he might have acted with, with, with great compassion to the lost sheep in front of him, but his response to those who were leading them astray was stern. Sometimes full of anger. It's the moments we find Jesus most angry when he's dealing with false teaching that leads people astray. These are his words. These are the words from the gospel from the Lord Jesus himself. They couldn't be stronger. He says this. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Those are the words of the loving Lord Jesus. And warnings don't come much stronger than that. So it's in Jesus that we get these things together. All of the love, all of the openness, all of the compassion, existing and surviving and living with perfect orthodoxy and precision and faithfulness. Those things working together. We really struggle to get those things together, but we find them together in him. So let me take you back to that moment of uh, feeling utterly disorientated on the Langdale Pipes, Pikes as I, as I began with. It was a frightening moment, as I said, a confusing moment, a moment when I was very glad to have a compass with me. Well, John's reminding us this morning in the, in the mist and the fog and the confusion of the Christian life and the, and the extreme fog of, of confusion of our nation at the moment, we have something much better than a compass. We have Jesus. And in Jesus, we have love and orthodoxy coexisting perfectly, working together in harmony. So let's ask the question, someone confused 
and disorientated by the fog our nation finds itself in were to come to this church, what would we want them to find? Well, of course, we'd want them to find love. Uh, We do desire that. We see that here. We're going to sing about it in just a moment. We don't want them to find kind of any old love, arbitrarily defined, sort of going with the kind of the tides and, 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 you know, the vagaries of culture. We want them to find true love, a love with foundations, a love that's rooted in eternal realities, a love that's rooted in Jesus himself. And with that love, with that love, we want them to find orthodoxy, good, precise, faithful, biblical teaching, but not an empty or hollow orthodoxy, one centered again on Jesus. And if it's centered on Jesus, then it will flow out in more love. John puts it this way, we want them to find the truth and people walking in the truth. Or to put it another way again, we want them, it's very simple in the end, isn't it? We want them to find Jesus. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we want to confess that um, as we face difficulties and uh, we look around at much deceit and false teaching, our response to it is often not good. And uh, we make mistakes. And uh, sometimes uh, we're too lax uh, to the harm of others. Sometimes uh, we're too harsh and uh, weighed in without any love at all. And uh, we want to ask your forgiveness for both those reactions. And we want to thank you for this reminder this morning that we find that the answer to our response, the right way to respond, we find it in the Lord Jesus. By walking in the truth with him. Please, we pray, help us to do that more authentically. To the praise of his name. And to your glory. Amen.